It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 54, Samson, Part 1. On Thursday, May 1st, on the 63rd Annual National Day of Prayer in the United States, the following prayer was prayed simultaneously at noon throughout the country, as written by Anne Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham. Lord of the universe, Lord of this planet, Lord of the nations, Lord of our hearts, on this National Day of Prayer we look to you. In the darkness, you are the light. In the storm, you are our anchor. In our weakness, you are our strength. In our grief, you are our comfort. In our despair, you are our hope. In our confusion, you are our wisdom. In the time of terrorism, you are our shield. In the time of war, you are our peace. In times of uncertainty, you are the rock in which we stand. We make our prayer to you using the words of the prophet Daniel. O Lord, you are the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You are merciful and forgiving. You are righteous, but this day we are covered with the shame because we have sinned against you and done wrong. We have turned away from your commands and principles. We have turned away from you. Yet you have promised in 2 Chronicles 7 that if we, a people identified with you, would humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, and turn from our wicked ways, then you would hear our prayer, forgive our sins, and heal our land. So we choose to stop pointing our finger at the sins of others and examine our own hearts and lives. We choose to acknowledge our own sin, our neglect and defiance and ignorance and even rejection of you. This day we choose to repent. In response to our heartfelt repentance, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father of Jesus Christ, in keeping with all of your righteous acts and according to your promise, turn away from your anger and your wrath from the United States of America. Hear the prayers and petitions offered to you on this National Day of Prayer as we give you our full attention. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. For the glory of your name, hear our prayer. Forgive our sin and heal our land. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who offers us salvation from your judgment, forgiveness for our sin, and reconciliation with you through his own bloodshed on the cross. Wasn't that powerful? Imagine the spiritual breakthroughs that occurred in the world when thousands prayed this prayer. Many are praying for God to raise up a generation and bring awakening to save our nation from our own cycle of sin. This was an example of what it looks like to cry out to God. We've seen this happen so many times in the book of Judges when the cycle of sin comes full circle. It happened with Othniel, Ehud, Gideon, Barak, and Jephthah, but not this time. Samson will not be the result of crying out to God. Judges 13, 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 14 years. Take note here, the oppression was 40 years, and it never says the Israelites cried out to God. 
The state of affairs in Israel now is decay, immoral and wicked, and everyone did as they saw fit. And it says over and over, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In this case, it goes on to speak of a judge, but it never says that Israel cried out for one. It's very important to consider that Israel didn't cry out for freedom. The result was not a judge to deliver Israel, but this time a judge was raised up to begin to deliver Israel. Could it be Samson was raised up just to incite Israel back to God? Samson's calling will not be to deliver Israel, but to begin to deliver Israel. And before we get into Samson, I want to make a personal note. There are two things that stand out to me when we cover Samson. His physical achievements and his spiritual failures, but the other side of it is his likable side. Samson may have been physically strong, but spiritually Samson was inept and incapable of hardly any form of self-control. The building of godly character was not very apparent in Samson, yet he was gifted and overwhelmingly talented and strong and capable of great feats of strength. It is such a revelation of Paul's statement that the gifts and callings of God cannot be revoked. But even when he revealed the secrets to his great strength, the gift was never truly went away. It returned to him as his hair grew out. Now, despite all this, there's such the likable side to Samson. Seriously, it's just a joy to hear about him, one man defeating 3,000 in battle, or how he was at a prostitute's house in full sin, and the enemy came to kill him and trap him and block his exit at the enemy's stronghold and gate. When he found he couldn't get out of the walled city, he just picked up the gates and carried them over a dozen miles. I mean, are you kidding me? It's such a crazy story. Or what about the three, 300 foxes he caught? And how he tied them together with torches attached to have them burn the Philistine harvest fields. It's crazy, but so entertaining. And at the same time, how can you not like this guy, despite all his foolish lust? It's quite funny when you realize we teach our children all those Sunday school tales like Samson and Moses and the Red Sea and Noah and the Flood and Jonah and the Whale and we gloss over the horrific sin and dark side of judgment of these stories. They're quite adult in nature and Samson and Delilah is not at all a pretty story. And as we grow older, we reread these stories from a very, very different perspective. In this episode, we're going to discuss what many skim over, the supernatural experience of Samson's parents and Samson's calling and purposes of his birth. Judges 13, 2. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So the father's Manoah and his wife is barren. Josephus would add that he was a very righteous and devout man, but also he would add he was a very jealous man. This will play later as we try to discuss his upbringing. His name means rest, this is Manoah, and they lived in the area of Zorah, which is near the valley of Elah and adjacent to Philistine territory, a Canaanite city, and it's just a strange place with multiple cultures, a triangle of a Philistine, Canaanite, and Israelite city, with multiple religions and many, many gods. It was in this place that God called a new judge, who would be Samson. 
Manoah is from the tribe of Dan, and some Jewish traditional accounts states that his nameless wife was from the tribe of Judah. Their son was to be a Nazarite, which we'll cover later, and his commission was this, Judges 13.5, He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. His assignment was to begin to deliver, can't help but repeat his calling, to begin to deliver Israel. He would fulfill his calling, but could it be that there was a greater calling for him if he could have just been more faithful? The long Philistine oppression of 40 years would come and go, for they would age, become age-old enemies for some time. Samson would battle them, Samuel would fight them, Saul would fight them, and David would eventually conquer the Philistines. The complete deliverance and defeat of the Philistines will be a long time coming. And we'll probably spend some time talking about specifically the Philistines in a future episode. So it's strange that a heavenly visitation comes to Manoah's nameless wife first. Judges 13, 6. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and I didn't tell me his name. But he did say to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. He earnestly prayed, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. There are some speculations why you visited the woman first, because, possibly because, according to Jewish tradition, she was from the line of Judah, which God will send his son through, Jesus Christ. Also possibly because Manoah is from the tribe of Dan, which was carried away with the whole Michael's idol thing a while back. The tribe was on God's bad side and will remain there since they are missing from the book of Revelation. Another thought would be Josephus' statement about him being quite jealous. If he was so jealous for his wife and so controlling, he must have been a rough figure. And God needed to visit the sensitive, wiser wife of his, and she would prove to be wiser later as well. Regardless of the reason, the angel of the Lord came to his wife first, and the second time as well. Judges 13 10. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife, and when he came to the man, he said, Are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? Isn't that powerful? What is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? There are two sides here. We could consider Manoah quite legalistic, that he wanted rules. Or we can take the perspective that what is the rule that governs my child's life? I mean, what a question. What a great prayer. As a parent, we could challenge ourselves for days with this prayer. God, what is the rule that governs my son or my daughter's life? What a powerful prayer. How can I guide them in the path of righteousness? Help us, Lord, to train our children in the way they should go. Here's the answer. Judges 13, 13. The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. 
She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Their son was to be a Nazarite. So what's a Nazarite? Number six outlines the dedication of a Nazarite. Here's the account. Number six, one. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of separation to the Lord as a Nazarite, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or from other fermented drink. He must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as he is a Nazarite, he must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. During the entire period of his vow of separation, no razor may be used on his head. He must be holy until the period of his separation to the Lord is over. He must let the hair of his head grow long. Throughout the period of his separation to the Lord, he must not go near a dead body. Even if his mother or father dies, or brother or sister, he must not make himself ceremonially unclean on account of them because the symbol of his separation to God is on his head. Throughout the period of his separation, he is consecrated to the Lord. Nazarite vows were typically temporary, but in the case of Samson, it was for a lifetime. Samuel, who lives the same time, would be a Nazarite for life as well. For three vows of a Nazarite were don't cut your hair, don't drink wine, and don't go around a dead body. If any of these were broken, it would require a very, very detailed Levitical process of cleansing. During Samson's life, he would allow his hair to be cut. He would most likely drink wine, but this is by implication, and he would definitely kill many an animal and person. But his supernatural gift was incredible. He had supernatural strength as long as he didn't cut his hair. His secret to his supernatural strength would be his hair as long as he didn't cut his hair. Now Manoah decides, just like Gideon, that he wants to make a sacrifice. Judges thirteen, fifteen. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not be able to eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Next, Manoah asked his name. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Doesn't that sound like Jesus again? Not a, not an answering the direct question. You don't need to know my name. It's beyond understanding. Other, you know, versions of the Bible say it is too wonderful. It is a secret. It, it's that amazing. Hey, Manoah, my name is wonderful. The implication is just fantastic. I'm going to perform wonders in your life. Your son, Manoah, will be wonderfully gifted. I will perform wonders in his life. Judges thirteen nineteen. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. 
We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, and now told us what to do. What a practical woman. God's not going to kill you, Manoah. You think this was God. Well, it was. It was his son. No one has seen the father but the son. He visits those he loves. Get over yourself, Manoah. Seriously, Manoah. Next, the nameless woman gives birth to Samson. Judges thirteen twenty-four. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Maniah Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. Here's another one of those one-liners and unbelievable prayers. Stir up the gift of God. God began to stir in Samson. Stir up the gift of God in Samson. It said the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Think about that when you pray for your friends or yourself. Stir up the gift of God within them. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's consider Manoah's question or prayer. What is the rule that governs your life? What is the rule that governs your child's life? God, what is the rule that governs my life? There have been many a historical and even modern day Nazarite who takes upon themselves an act of prayer for a time period and governs himself in a certain way to achieve a spiritual purpose. But Manoah's prayer was, what is that rule that governs my son's life? What a powerful prayer. What is the rule that governs my life? God's ways and purposes for each of us are varied and diverse, from missionaries to businessmen and women, from teachers to preachers, from CEOs to house moms. What is the rule that governs their life? Each of us can pray this prayer and see what God has for each of us and every one of us to live a life worthy of our calling, combining the rule of our life with the greatest commandment of all. Matthew twenty-two. 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we continue our look at Judge Samson. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com.